Hey, listeners of the Bio Report. Before we get started this week, I wanted to tell you about the digital library from Deep Dive. How much time does your team spend looking for research papers? Google, PubMed, social media. There's got to be a better way. You can now search a reference database of 100 million scientific papers and read the full text of 20 million articles, annotate them, and share with colleagues. It's the smarter way to do research. Here's the best part. If you're like me and been frustrated by not being able to access articles you find because they're behind a paywall, I've got good news. With Deep Dive, you get one-stop affordable research. If you're a listener of the BioReport, you can try the enterprise version of the service for free for one month. Go to deepdive.com forward slash podcast and enter the code BIOREPORT. That's deepdive, D-E-E-P-D-Y-V-E dot com forward slash podcast. And the code is BIOREPORT, one word, all caps. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. While cities across the country have lifted COVID-19 restrictions and public gatherings have returned, the lack of effective treatments for people who develop severe reactions to the virus continues to pose a public health problem. The situation is acute in less developed nations where vaccination levels are low and hospitals continue to be overrun with patients. Researchers at Mount Sinai earlier this year reported in the journal Cell that a widely available and inexpensive drug targeting inflammatory genes has reduced morbidity and mortality in mice infected with the virus that causes COVID-19. The drug, Topodokin, is now in clinical trials in India as a potential treatment for patients who suffer from a hyperinflammatory response to the virus. We spoke to Ivan Marazzi, senior author of the study and an associate professor of microbiology at the ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, about Topodokin, what makes it compelling as a potential treatment for COVID-19, and why it may be well-suited for treating people with the condition across the globe. Ivan, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about COVID-19 and inexpensive and off-patent chemotherapeutic agent known as topodokan and the potential this may have for treating patients with COVID, particularly in developing economies. With the widening vaccinations in the United States, the focus has been on reopening and getting life back to normal after a protracted shutdown as a result of the pandemic. I, I think many people have stopped paying attention to what was once a daily diet of statistics about new cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Globally, how much of a health problem 
does this continue to be today? Um, I can answer you with a clear example. In uh, one of the trials that we are running in, uh, in uh, India, some of my patients uh, were left outside because there were no hospital, uh, no beds in the hospital with obvious consequences for the patients. Um, so I still think that we, we kind of have a short memory when it comes to things. And uh, it's true that now vaccination is high and, uh, and people pay less attention, but there is still a lot of people who are not vaccinated and who will not get vaccinated. And those people, no matter how we judge them, uh, and obviously I think vaccination is the right thing to do. And if somebody didn't do it yet, it should do it. Um, but some of these people will not get vaccinated and will, they will end up with uh, severe COVID and we will need to take care of them because we don't judge intelligence, but we just judge, try to treat people. So it's still a big giant burden globally and worldwide. And the other thing that we should be considering is that we love to think about the fact that once we dealt with a problem here, the problem does not touch us anymore and that's fine but the reality is that most of the world is not vaccinated and most of the world is the reservoir for mutation to arise in this in this virus and generate new variant and maybe new variant that escape the the response to the the, the vaccine protection and um, so we need to take care of us in the house, which I understand it, but the problem out there is still rampant and, and tangible. And uh, we still have thousands of deaths every day. Well, how adequate is the global arsenal for treating patients who develop serious responses to the virus? And how much need remains for new therapeutic interventions? So... This is a fantastic question that somehow there is so much noise around uh, COVID that we forget uh, uh, the key points. The key points is that for severe COVID, we have nothing that works very well. The standard of care as of today is dexamethasone, glucocorticoids, which are anti-inflammatory. Um, they work a little bit, in uh, severe people. Aside from that, there is nothing that works. We have learned how to deal with patients and with ventilators, but we are complete at loss when it comes to treat these people. Uh, severe patients, uh, we hope that with the anti-inflammatory dexamethasone and also our, uh, our treatment that is not in clinical trial will work, but Aside from that, we have nothing. Plasma didn't work. Uh, monoclonal antibody, they work, but there is a problem in manufacturing um, at, at large scale. Um, we don't have antiviral. If anything, we, this pandemic made us realize how little we have in our arsenal to, to throw two viruses. We don't have an antiviral aside from remdesivir, which we can talk about until 
forever, whether it works or not. But if it works, it doesn't work much. Let's put it this way. Um, so we are at loss on that on that front. So we we underperformed, uh, or the virus is very difficult to tackle. If we look at the history, we don't have antiviral for most of uh, viral infection, especially the one that causes uh, uh, um, acute and severe disease, and it usually takes ages to be developed. And one of the important aspects of why it's difficult to develop an antiviral and whether it's gonna be useful for COVID is that you get infected and you might not know that you got infected for like three, four days. So any antiviral would need to be taken preventively for weeks ahead of time. And uh, to do a clinical trial for a, for a new chemical, that can be taken preventively for weeks uh, is going to be very, very difficult. For patients with the most severe reactions to COVID, the problem is that the virus gets their immune systems so revved up that it creates a hyper-inflammatory response that begins to take a toll on their body. Can you explain what happens? Yes. So you you touched on uh, on the pretty much the pillars of of uh, what uh, this virus induces and is very reminiscent to to uh, sepsis in a, in a clinical practice which is a disease that kills millions of people every year so this virus is not that different from other things that we have seen um and in a, in a very a simplistic way, the first phase of viral infection is the rampant increase of viral copy and viral dissemination. And then virus titers tends to go down. But during this time frame in which the virus replicate and disseminate in our body, uh, we usually react. And many of us, uh, many people, uh, hyper-react uh, for multiple reasons. One is uh, um, uh, comorbidities, other factors that makes your body more being more prone to overreact. Um, but de facto, in in a lot of the severe patients, you have uh, immune cells that should provide an adequate response, inflammatory response to dampen the the damaging effect of viral replication. They end up hyper responding, so you produce a lot of cytokine and chemokine in the body that hyperinflame the systemically the entire body and this hyperinflammation end up into ARDS or commonly seen as a hyperinflammation that leads to multi-organ failure so pretty much is a the whole body shuts down with often uh, little consequences there have been a number of efforts to repurpose existing therapies that might be enlisted in an effort to address the immune response. How did you come to look at Topatican? Were you screening a larger library of drugs? Was there something known about this drug that had you looking at it? So um, we didn't do any screen, uh, but we went on a more uh, uh, targeted approach. We uh, found 
topoisomerase inhibitors like topotecan, camtotecan, urinotecan. This is a, a class of uh, chemicals that we showed previously to be important to suppress sepsis and uh, uh, those kind of infection that often occurs in the hospital uh, uh, that are often called as nosocomial infection or by you, uh, you get treated because you have a high fever or a viral infection. And then in the, in the hospital, you, you get a secondary infection and that usually uh, uh, lead or in many people lead to hyperinflammation and, and, uh, and uh, uh, septic uh, shock syndrome and, and uh, which needs to be uh, taken care of because it is very little. So we used model before five years ago, uh, um, model of, of severe sepsis and we uh, tested a few inhibitors which we knew uh, they could work because they block in globally the response to, to, to the infection. And uh, we published that a few years back in 2016. And then we proposed that uh, strategy would be useful for future pandemics. And unfortunately, we kind of anticipated uh, uh, this COVID-19 pandemic in a way. Um, so when COVID arrived, we already had everything pretty much ready. Uh, and to disclose, I also have a, a patent on the usage of topazomerase inhibitor during a hyperinflammatory condition, which was filed uh, in 2017. Uh, so we were pretty much ready. We knew what we were doing, dealing with. And uh, pretty much based on the history and the clinical presentation of similar infection. Uh, obviously, uh, SARS was a new one, so we had to do experiment to make sure that um, some of the pillar of the response or hyper response that occurs during uh, during COVID uh, was the same as uh, as the one that occurs in sepsis. Uh, but uh, we 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 had a lot of history behind. That, that led us to, to uh, concentrate on topazomerase inhibitors. Topatacan was marketed as Hycamptin by GlaxoSmithKline. Its patent expired on the drug in 2010. What is Topatacan and what was it initially developed to do? So the Topotican is the successor of a drug called camtotecin that in the 40s together with taxol were uh, pretty much a natural compound that was discovered that were discovered to be able to block replication mostly in tumor cells um, and that was very important back in the days because we they were developed to to inhibit tumors uh, unfortunately, uh, camtotecin was not particularly soluble and gave some uh, indirect um, adverse effect. And uh, fast forward 20 years, uh, a lot of medicinal chemistry were done on, on camtotecin and the topotecan and irinotecan were, were discovered, which are pretty much an analog of the original camtotecin, which is derived from the happy tree in China. And um, so pretty much has been used in mostly lung cancer nowadays for refractory lung cancer. 
And uh, the mechanism of action is that they block topoisomerase. And topoisomerase is a protein that is required for cell division. So when you have a normal tissue and a cancerous tissue, uh, a cancer cell tend to replicate faster. So if you give an inhibitor of, of cell division, you tend to suppress the, the, the tumor faster. There are also additional layer of why um, topotecan can be used for, for cancer therapy. For in uh, what we discovered in the, in the past five years in the lab is that inhibition of topo, uh, topoisomerase also suppresses or buffers the transcriptional response to bacterial and viral infection. So de facto we are using our inhibitor at a lower dose and a less uh, harsh treatment than during chemotherapy, but we are uh, exploiting a different uh, way of action of topoisomerase and uh, the action on gene expression rather than cell replication. There was a lot of early excitement about monoclonal antibody treatments that could be potentially repurposed as treatments for COVID-19. From an economics point of view, what makes this so compelling for COVID? I think, so there are multiple ways to see um, disease therapy. And uh, as a researcher, I like to be pragmatic. Um, if you are in a pandemic and you can develop something that is easily manufactured, it costs very little, and it's uh, easy to be synthesized and distributed, um, I go after that. Uh, monoclonal antibodies are very effective, but we are still back in the day for with respect to designing them, making them, produce them, and and uh, and and give them to people. So the the pharmaceutical company and especially like the developed world wants things that are super safe and super high tech and uh, effective, which antibodies are. Um, and companies have a lot of interest in doing that because each antibody will end up costing thousands of dollars and, and making them rich. Um, those are not the therapy that one wants during a pandemic because we may be able in a year or two to develop antibody and make them very fast and treating some of us, but we'll never be able to, with the speed that we're going, uh, and even in the future to, to make them very fastly and for everybody, both here and in the developing countries. So we need to find remedies that are cheap and can be used by others, and then they can be synthesized by others, because only relying on us making a vaccine and then export it is not gonna is not gonna protect people in the same amount of time that we are protected. So it's also a discussion about uh, a sociological discussion more than than uh, 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 pharmacological ones. You were lead author on a study of 
Topatikin in the journal Cell earlier this year. This was a, a study in mouse models of the virus. What exactly did you do? So we pretty much did um, preclinical studies in, first of all, we did uh, the study in cell culture to figure out whether we could understand and we could relate the response to SARS coronavirus to other viruses like flu, for example, and identified critical uh, um, point in which we could therapeutically intervene. And we thought that intervening at the level of gene expression upon an infection uh, uh, was would be a, a good way to do it. And then we tested if our prediction was correct and we pretty much use topotecan and few other drugs. In the manuscript, you have mainly the focus on topotecan because it's the one that ended up working the best. And we used it in two different models, in, in a hamster model and into a murine model, mouse. Um, and we used it in a therapeutic way because most of this uh, publication, especially with respect to antiviral, they give the inhibitor before the infection and then they see that the inhibitor does something, which is exactly what happened to Rendesivir, for example. Um, Rendesivir loses his activity if you give it to a mouse one day after infection or a couple of days after infection. In reality, we get infected and we go to the hospital and we get treated. So everything that we need to find if we want to have strong therapeutic benefit needs to be uh, uh, modeled in experimental setting by giving it therapeutically. So what we did was infecting mice or hamster and after two to four days of the infection, treat them to pretty much uh, mirror what happens in, in, in the normal setting in human. And when we gave the inhibitor therapeutically after infection, we saw that lung damage was reverted, that the mice started back eating, they gained weight and they didn't die anymore. Uh, there was a very convincing and very strong effect of giving topotecan for two days, two doses of topotecan, um, in reverting mortality in hamster, which is uh, a remarkable uh, effect that I will always be happy about and proud of. One of the compelling aspects of topotecan is that it may provide a more effective approach than many other agents that target only a single inflammatory mediator. I'm wondering if you can expand on that. Yes. So usually, we didn't discover that blocking inflammation is, is useful because uh, anti-inflammatory drugs are around for multiple diseases and for many, many uh, uh, even everyday problems. Um, but an inflammation during an infection is a positive thing because you want to have it inflammation at the beginning of an infection. You just don't want to overdo it. The majority of the um, 
inhibitors or other uh, chemicals that they were used at the beginning of the pandemic when people realized that people, that COVID patients, severe patients will die of sepsis, were a single agent inhibitor, meaning inhibitor that they block one pathway, one molecule, one chemokine or one cytokine. Uh, and those turned out in, in, in clinical trial not to be useful. Um, our reasoning is because they are not potent enough. They block one arm of the signal, one chemokine, but hyperinflammation is a systemic response that is brought about by multiple pathways, multiple protein in different cell types. So what we did with Topotecan was basically block the response that every cell has at the level of gene expression. And by doing that, we basically buffer this hyper-responsiveness at every level in the body and uh, with a significant uh, benefit. You alluded to a clinical trial that's underway in India. What's the path forward and what other trials have to be conducted to get this approved? So the clinical trial in India was done, is currently being done after the halting that I mentioned before, um, in people, cancer patients that they develop also COVID infection. Uh, and we have uh, between 14 and 20 new hospitals that after seeing the partially the result of the clinical phase one, uh, will want to move into uh, a phase two, three, both in India and in Brazil. Um, the path forward is first, and, and this is something that should have been done from the get-go. We have a commentary uh, that hopefully will get published uh, soon about this concept. The first clinical trial should always be to prove safety that the inhibitor is safe in the condition in which you're using it. So topotecan was safe in people with tumor, but we didn't know if, if the clinical syndrome that is evinced by COVID would lead a person to be particularly susceptible for topotecan treatment. We didn't know if it was toxic. So the first clinical trial was designed to show that there, are, there is no toxicity, and as a secondary endpoint, that there is some clinical benefit. So now that we know that it's not toxic and there is some clinical benefit, we want to move to a bigger uh, and larger scale. And uh, what we will, are planning to do is to cluster patients based on their immune profile, because often severe patients, they are already in a hypo-inflammatory state because the hyperinflammation passed and they are not, and, and anti-inflammatory there are not useful. Uh, so we are pretty much profiling the blood of patient, figuring out two or three biomarkers that helps us to determine whether a person needs an anti-inflammatory uh, like topotecan and then treat them. So that I think is the most parsimonious way that we, everybody who's running a, a trial for COVID should do. Is there some expectation for when, if successful, the drug may benefit patients or do you expect physicians to start using it off-label? 
I strongly uh, advise in my our manuscript we advised against uh, using it of label until uh, we published the result of the phase one and phase two trial. So I am not in big favor of using of label medicine until things are are uh, clear. I know that there is. Um, it's important to be fast in the world, but we have seen what misguided approach like hydroxychloroquine generated. We did more harm than good. And uh, that's the last thing that uh, a scientist or a physician should want. And ultimately, do you expect this to have potential to treat other conditions that cause a similar type of inflammatory response? Yes, I think the the best the best thing of this pandemic, if one has to draw, uh, uh, need to find one, is that we had a large group of uh, data and uh, and profiling and figuring out in which condition in which settings anti-inflammatory works the best and which kind of anti-inflammatory we should use. And uh, eventually the idea is that Topotican will be hopefully helpful for this pandemic, but also for, for uh, other uh, uh, future infection. Uh, I don't hope for future pandemic obviously, but future infection and uh, also known disease that are associated with a hyperinflammatory response that is very acute. I think our treatment will not work for disease that are chronic. They, it will probably do more harm than anything. Uh, it will work and it works well when there is an acute transition between state A, normal, and state B, hyperinflamed. And uh, one of those is cytokine release syndrome during uh, cancer therapy. So we are planning on study that in more details. Ivan Marazzi, co-author of the study in cell and associate professor in the microbiology department at the Icahn School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Ivan, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.